Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we explore the big political issues of the moment. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. The outbreak of cholera in Tswane, which seems to have spread to some parts of the country, has again put the spotlight on the crisis in our local government sector, which has negatively impacted service delivery to citizens. Local government is often regarded as the coalface at which government delivers on citizens' basic needs. But what is the real cause for citizens when local government fails, as it is doing in much of our country today? To explore the issue that touches all of us, we joined on the Politics Weekly by Dr. Stembile Mbete, who is a lecturer in the Department of Political Sciences at the University of Pretoria and is an associate fellow at its Center for Governance Innovation, as well, of course, as uh, Mr. Sandy Leswana, who is a political analyst and governance expert. You asked Mr. Ramaphosa to sit down first. I'm standing. I need to put on my big girl panties and keep going. You can't have two speakers standing at the same time. Security services of the Republic of South Africa, you may intervene. There's been several attempts on my life. Lower that hand on women. The president is accused of serious crimes. I know I'm going to become the president of this country. You, you are going to be the president of I am going to be the president of South Africa. Of South Africa. There's no confusion. Of South Africa. I will cancel race. Corrupt people do not eat alone. They have a spider web. I now suspend the proceedings. I now suspend the proceedings. I have warned you. Welcome to the Politics Weekly. I would like to start with you, Dr. Mbete. Who should be blamed for the long-standing water problems in Hamanskral, where the outbreak seems to have started? Is it local government? Is it province? Is it national? Is it none of the above? It's all of them. Uh, all three of them should be blamed. Uh, South Africa, Chapter 3 of our Constitution speaks about cooperative governance. And it's this idea that the governance of South Africa is um, done across all three levels, um, so uh, local, provincial, and national, and that uh, these are distinctive, interdependent, and interrelated, and they're supposed to work with each other in order to um, govern, but also to deliver services. And in the case of water, this is one of those areas where the responsibility uh, for um, managing water uh, and for providing clean water is actually shared um, across uh, all three levels, mainly uh, in terms of the cleaning of the water with local government, um, and in providing kind of the clean water that should go to our taps, but also in terms of broader water management issues and the resources that are provided for that, the National Treasury uh, and the Department uh, of Water Affairs uh, at a national level uh, are also responsible uh, for that. And what we've seen here is a failure across all three levels of government to do their jobs. Uh, effectively, we know that with the Royval uh, Water uh, Treatment Works, um, that is the one that provides um, is supposed to provide clean water uh, to Hamanskral. The master plan for the expansion of that um, of that facility and the maintenance of it was done in two thousand and four, and has not been implemented, uh, which has eventually led to the situation mm. where we have seventeen people uh, dying and losing their lives unnecessarily. 
Okay. I'd, I'd like us, you, you've just very broadly explained to us who's responsible for what, you know, in, in this whole saga. Uh, I'd, I'd like us to come back to that later, you know, as to what has been said during the week by, among others, the Deputy Minister of, uh, of Water Affairs. But for, for, uh, for now, uh, Mr. Swana, I'd like to ask you, you know, you know, this week it's Haman Skral. Recently it was Emalasin where a young boy was shot and killed in a service delivery protest. Why are local authorities failing in their primary task, which, which seems to be a straightforward task, really? Uh, thank you so much. And uh, I also must greet uh, uh, my fellow panelists, uh, Dr. Mbet. Uh, let me say this. For instance, if we are here in Gauteng, in Gauteng, we have a municipality that started with nothing. I think they, they, they had, I can't remember, it was a hundred rand or something in the bank when they were started, mid-five. They had absolutely nothing. And became, with before our eyes, the best performing municipality in Gauteng. Its neighbor, which had more resources on day one when Midval started, Mfulene and so on, became a total catastrophe, an example of failure. So under the same laws, the same country, there are certain types of mayors, certain types of leaders and councillors and MMs who flourish and become exemplary using the same laws. Within walking distance into the next door municipality, there is total disaster. Now, when you ask me why are municipalities failing, we must also admit there are municipalities where when you get there, you just smell fresh air and success. The ones that are failing are failing as part of a broader process that has been developing since the 1990s and accelerated after the Bulugwane Conference of the ANC where people are elected to be mayors and councillors and others are deployed into various positions within the municipality who exhibit at least three qualities. One quality being incompetence, the second quality being dishonesty and corruption, the third quality being a culture of non-performance, non-performance, those three. You say the task is easy, so it is clear. Solutions are known. The problem is well-defined. The solution is known. All the resources are there to implement the solution, but the solution never get in, gets implemented, whether it's at ESCOM, whether it's at Mfuleni municipality, even when the sewerage is going in the wrong direction. When you flush the toilet, the sewerage comes into the house rather than going out. So the only problem that we're dealing with here Mm. is the HR problem. It's the human resources of wrong councillors being uh, uh, appointed by political party bosses and their factions. So that is where your problem comes from. You can blame the laws, you can blame every other thing. When you appoint, elected, selected and appointed the most cruel and dark-hearted people, this is what you get. Mm. So, so you think that it it is largely about who we put in charge of of these of these local authorities? 
of the local authorities, also of their bosses in terms of the department of local government. Let me give you an illustration. From 2007 to 2021, I was a lecturer at Fitz School of Governance and Fitz Business School, specifically focusing on municipal governance and municipal finance and all that mm -hmm. for 14 years. And the focus of our teaching was on meeting, helping people who are appointed to municipalities to meet the minimum competency requirements. From when we started until today, for all practical purposes, those minimum competency requirements were never implemented. Never. So all the people we taught, there was no benefit because the ones who are in the wrong positions who don't qualify are not removed to put the ones who are qualified. So, so it means the bosses, the higher ups at Treasury, the higher ups at Cocta, the higher ups in the presidents are not interested in the improvement of government. They are there for other reasons. Mm. Dr. Mbete, I'd, I'd like to go back one step to, to your very broad and, and detailed uh, introduction as to you know the, the, the responsibility of the different uh, layers of of, of of government. Now, this week, the Deputy Minister of Water Affairs, David Maslobo, blamed the Tswane Council for refusing assistance from his department and for ignoring directives. And then now he says that they are taking the council to court. Isn't it farcical that that different levels of the same government are taking each other to court. An ordinary it, person might not might not understand why that would happen. That practically this is the same government. This is our state taking one arm of the state to court. To the to court, and it is uh, different arms of the state that clearly are unable to use the non judicial mechanisms that are there um, in terms of how they interact and, and, and how they cooperate and how they resolve disputes, um, they aren't able to use all of those uh, mechanisms that exist in the system. And so they keep needing to take each other to court. And to be quite honest, even so at the moment, I think that there is, um, because the city of Tuane is currently uh, under um, or being governed in a coalition uh, with the DA mayor um, and, and the national government and the provincial government are obviously under the ANC. But even in 2013, when uh, the municipal, uh, when Tswane municipality was being run uh, by an ANC member, our, our, our an, an, an ANC mayor, our current minister of electricity, uh, Jose Nzu Urhamohopa, um, you had the same kind of challenges in terms of um, the National Department uh, of Water Affairs um, at the time not working um, and, and not being happy with what was being done by the municipality uh, of, of Tuane at the time and actually uh, declaring um, the wastewater plant um, and, and the river uh, that it was pouring uh, sewage into a disaster area. Um, and there were all sorts of things that were meant to have been done in terms of the extension of the plant and refurbishment that was meant to have been completed by 2015, and it was never done. And I think this goes to something that Mr. Swana was speaking about, and I think that what the crisis is um, that we have is that there is no consequence management in our government 
um, at any of the levels. And there doesn't seem to be any um, one who takes responsibility for making sure the right people are in the right positions to do the jobs that they are supposed to do and then are held accountable if they don't do those jobs. I've been looking in preparation for the conversation we were having today, that we're having uh, right now, for the names of who actually runs this plant, right? So we talk often about the politicians, but who are the engineers that are actually working on this? Who runs the plant? Um, are those people still in their jobs? How long have they been in their jobs? What, um, you know, what disciplinary action have they faced for not doing the work that they're supposed to do? Um, who are the people that work in the government departments or in the municipal departments that are responsible for overseeing and making sure that things have been done? Um, it's so difficult, A, to get that information, but also once you do have the have the information, it becomes very clear that the usual kind of consequence management processes that any of us would face in our uh, jobs uh, if you were supposed to do something and you didn't do that thing don't seem to exist um, in in, in many of our government institutions. Uh, and so things can go without being done. So maintenance goes and, and goes without being done. And the building that's supposed to happen, there's a whole situation in 2020 where there were refurbishments happening on the wastewater treatment plant. And then there were delays because of COVID-19 um, and lockdowns. And then nobody seems to have followed up on that work actually being completed. And so the kinds of consequences that people ordinarily face in employment don't seem to be applying uh, to the politicians and the civil servants that are meant to be delivering services. Mm. Mr. Swana, Dr. Ambeta is referring to, to is raising the issue of uh, of consequence management, essentially for, for in this case, you know, for, for the technocrats, you know, the, the operators, you know, who, who run uh, these institutions and, and these, these operations. But But can we have... Uh, someone might say, "Why must the politicians escape consequence, escape consequences for 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 their decisions or non-decisions? C- can we get to a point where there are clear uh, and comprehensive consequences for politicians, or do they just walk away from the wreckage, you know, innocently, uh, and then be redeployed somewhere else?" There is a problem of of. Uh consequence management at a political level. It's clear, there's no doubt about it. Uh, As an example, very recently in KZN, the minister, the MEC for sport resigned. Shortly after, I think a lot of journalists were already aware that there's a scandal in any event, although the politicians said that uh, the scandal uh, emanated after uh, she resigned. And then when the NWC of the ANC went there, I think somehow there was a general agreement that the whole cabinet must take collective res- responsibility for that scandal and not pinpoint any particular person. The scandal of uh, life as it demand, as an example, has been a, a bioscope, a movie, for a very, very long time. Kedani uh, Masang went overseas to study. Now, uh, they are still trying even now to get some accountability. You would have heard that 
if a person does something wrong in a listed multi-billion company, if you are the CEO, you do something wrong, over the next 90 days, they are going to get rid of you. Mm. Uh, now, that is not happening in the public sector. Cyril Ramaphosa himself, when he took over power from Jacob Zuma, he said he's going to appoint new um, new uh, to, 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 to set up new performance contracts for his ministers. We have not received a credible report of performance since Cyril Ramaphosa about the ministers. For instance, during times of a cabinet reshuffle that this minister scored five out of ten, this one four out of ten, that one seven out of ten. Therefore, these ones are getting promoted, these ones are removed from the cabinet, etc., etc. Performance is never a consideration. It's never a consideration. Ramu Hopa himself, as, as, as Dr. Mbete pointed out, was a failure in Pretoria, in, in, in the city of Tswane, before being promoted to the presidency and then subsequently being promoted to the Minister of Electricity. The biggest job in South Africa right now uh, is being given to a failure. So our management of human resources at the highest level of leadership in South Africa is, is using a very dark science. Uh, uh, literally, it's something that is beyond fathoming, that you can never understand what it is that has been trying to be done other than to arrange for continuous failure. Mm. Mm. Hey, Dr. Mbeta, just to change tech a bit. Now, I'm a citizen of either Hamanskral or any of the different of the many places where, where service delivery is failing. Um, what, what is my recourse? You know, for example, if I lived in Hamanskral, uh, 17 people have died. Maybe one of my relatives, you know, is, is one of the people who have died, you know, because of what, what has happened there. What, what is my recourse, really, as a citizen? I, I know people can say you can sue government, you can do, but I mean from a, from a, 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 a political a point of view as a citizen of South Africa who participates in the electoral system every time I do my duty, I vote, but actually my life is actually going backward. Can our system give citizens a greater recourse in something like this, in situations like this? democracy, right, the primary uh, tool of accountability that citizens have is their vote, right? That you um, you vote somebody in, they don't do what you wanted them to do, or they fail you, and then you're able to vote them out. Now, that tool of accountability is only powerful if the politicians that are being elected take it seriously. And unfortunately, we are in a position where our political leaders, and it seems across parties, aren't actually scared of using their tools, um, their accountability tool of the vote, um, and aren't actually scared or don't seem to care very much about what citizens think of them. And unfortunately, democracy, for democracy to work, it needs to be based on this unspoken a social contract, right, that says that we 
agree to be accountable to you and we care uh, as politicians about what you think of us um, and, and about what you think of our performance. And at the moment, we don't have that in South Africa, which is why. So when you asked me earlier, you know, what's consequence management for politicians? It can only come from two places. One, from the voters who vote them out or in a political party, that political parties are meant to hold their own accountable. And so in a party, if you have failed to deliver something as a party representative in government, you shouldn't be promoted into a better position or to be, you know, moved into to be on the party list again later. But we know that that's not the case in our system. But political parties keep people and they promote people and they reward people who have failed in governance. Um, and who've stolen from the government, who've been corrupt, those people are rewarded over and over again. Mm. And it's something that's really dysfunctional in our system. We know that the citizens of Hamanskral and over the years, um, over nearly 18 years now, have used all the tools. They've protested. They've organized themselves into civil society um, organizations. They've, they've linked with bigger civil society organizations in order to, you know, try to use the courts in order to use other means um, to be able to get, um, in order to be heard uh, by their leaders. But... You can be as active as you want as a citizen if the people with the power to do what needs to be done don't do that thing, if they are unresponsive. There's very little recourse, actually, that you have, which is also why we then all turn to the courts. Because as you say, really, at this stage, it seems that the only recourse that the families of those 17 people have is to sue the state. Um, But, you know, so we've become this very litigious society. We're turning into Americans, you know, where we sue each other for everything. And it's because the existing mechanisms of governance that should work aren't working because the politicians and the and the civil servants just don't take them seriously. Mm, I mm. wish I had a more enthusiastic thing to say and would be more optimistic. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> but this is the situation where we yeah, are. Yeah, but, but then which brings me to my next point, you know, and I was going to ask uh, Mr. Swan. I've heard people talk about the power of recall, that voters need to have the power of recall. Because if if I vote you, I, I vote Mr. Swana in, into, into, into a position this year, and they've got a five-year term, and in that, by the by the third year, it's obvious to everyone that they are actually causing serious harm to me and to our society and to the economy, etc. Uh, why should I not be able to recall that person somehow? Use my power to say, look, I trusted this person, I elected them, but I can't wait for five years because the damage will be too far gone. Why? Why, why can't we have that kind of uh, a, a exit kind of exit route for voters? Thank you so much. Um, you, 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 you must be aware that the power of recall was, to most of us anyway, dramatically demonstrated with the recall of President Tabombeg. So the idea of recall, and then it was repeated again with Jacob Zuma, then we will see if it will be done with Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, so the idea of recall does exist. In, in South Africa. Uh, 
But the recall is actually in the hands of political party bosses and dominant factions within those political parties at the moment. We need reform. Um, We need reform of the electoral system, the constituency system, uh, uh, to include a situation where at least 75% of the representatives, whether it's in council, provincial government, and national government, that every single area, to be sincere, has got a proper and clear direct representative who is elected and where the power of recall lies actually with the electorate of that area. So the community can organize itself to recall a person, even if the party bosses don't want that person to be recalled. The second one that I have experienced in my area where I live is that you can actually have a ward councillor who is performing very badly and also corruptly, who is actually, in the, and I live in a DA ward, I'm sorry to point this out, who is protected by two things, protected by the party bosses and also protected by sectarian interests. In other words, within society, South African society is very divided. The, there are certain people who are voting for the TA and the Freedom Front Plus on the basis of fear that the ANC and the, and the EFF must not take over. Mm. So regardless of how useless the person is, as long as it is somebody who can protect white privilege, for instance, that person will remain there regardless of how useless and abusive they are. So a person can be protected by party bosses and the party party, uh, bosses in the sense that our representatives don't have to be even properly qualified as long as they are in the party list and the party bosses are willing to protect them. Secondly, citizens who are protecting racial interests can actually protect a useless councillor and they are not able to, to remove them. And lastly, therefore, we need a direct representation where communities, uh, even members of the, can mobilize themselves and have a proper channel to set up a recall process without the political party bosses. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ambeta, I'd like for you, before, before we get to the end of our conversation, you know, uh, you know, in, in, in times of crisis, you know, we all start looking for, for someone to blame or something to blame. Now, I've heard, and, and I think you, you're familiar because you, you've studied issues of, uh, of electoral systems, you know, quite, quite deeply. I've, I've, I've heard often people, you know, saying that, look, the problem is with the constitution, you know. Um, in this case, you know, I've had people saying that this idea of autonomous levels of layers of government, that you have Pretoria, you have got the local authority in Tswani, you've got province, and often when there's a problem, one, you know, there's a lot of uh, of, of, of uh, uh, finger pointing and the blame game that arises, you know. National will say it's local, local will say, well, it's national, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, should should we be re re looking? Because I'm thinking, if for in this case the Tswane uh, local authorities are not doing what they're supposed to do, national asks them to do something, they decide not to do it. Um, it means that uh, a lot of time elapses and a lot of damage happens. People die in the process while national is trying to go to parliament. 
Some people have said, maybe our system, maybe we're not ready for our system, actually, the way it's constructed. What would you say to that? Well, look, the, the reason why our system was constructed the, the way that it was, right? And um, because of uh, the way in which the country had been divided uh, under apartheid, and so and the different people who were involved in, in, in designing the system and the different interests that needed to be balanced. Now, two things to remember is firstly that South Africa is a very large country. And so governing the country entirely from the center is incredibly difficult to do because it is so big. Um, and, and, and so you will obviously need to have smaller units. Now, the question here is whether you have those smaller units that um, are involved in, in doing the governing at a local level uh, be be extensions of the national government or whether they should be as they currently are um, sort of semi-autonomous um, uh, units that are elected in their own, um, in, in their, yeah, that are elected with their own powers and with their own ability uh, to generate uh, income. I think that Whichever way the system was structured, right, there's a big conversation also around the provinces. And in this case, um, around the water in Hammond Scarlet really is around dynamics between national and local. Uh, but of course, the provincial um, government and provincial entities like Rand Water, for example, are also uh, implicated in what's happened uh, in, in, in Hammond Scarlet. The point I'm trying to make, though, is that the issue here isn't so much around how things are structured. It is about the conduct and the accountability of the people that are operating in those structures. Because the mechanisms are there for there to be a sharing of, um, of resources, for there to be a sharing of expertise. It's just that the people who are responsible for this work at every level of government that they've been responsible for it just haven't done their jobs. Mm. Um. You've just got people at many different levels who just don't do their work and get away with not doing their work. And I don't know that if we had a different system. So currently, let's say the issue was that, you know, the Department of, of, of Water Affairs had complete control over what was going to happen um, at municipal, at, at treatment pl water plants all over the country. Would the people that were appointed in those positions be doing their jobs? And we see what happens at national level. There's a lot of people at working in national departments that don't do the work that they're supposed to do. So the issue, and there's no easy to fix with, there's no easy fix with this because we're dealing with a much more fundamental issue of political culture, of, um, of, of work ethic and work practice and what people are allowed to get away with. And I don't know um, how there's no, uh, what I do know is that there's no easy way to fix that. Mm. Um, and what I don't know is how we um, start. And I hope that we're having the conversation around um, people just not doing what it is that they're supposed to do, even when the resources are there. So there was a big issue in Hanald Skrull around this, where the, there weren't sufficient resources being invested, uh, and then resources were being invested into, into um, CapEx and sort of building new 
um, extending uh, the structure and not enough was being put into maintenance. And then there was maintenance that was happening, but not enough uh, of the extension. And then there was neither of them. Something that we haven't spoken about here that I think is important and that we mustn't neglect is the role of the private sector contractor. Because the people that are actually doing the fixing and that are supposed to be doing the maintenance and that are supposed to be doing the building aren't government employees. It's companies that are contracted by government to do work and also haven't done the work and raises the question about why isn't government holding those people accountable if those people have been corrupt, if they've gotten those uh, those contracts uh, corruptly, why are they not being prosecuted and held mm. to be accountable for that Uh, because it's criminal uh, what they've done. And so why aren't they being held accountable uh, through criminal matter, you know, through the criminal justice system? But also, um, why are, how is it that somebody gets a contract to do work and then just gets left with no follow up? There's no inspection. There's no, you know, daily or weekly reporting. And there's something very, very, very dysfunctional and crooked between the way in which uh, business interests and and, and our government operate uh, with each other that actually is allowing private businesses to get away with murder, literally. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, Mr. Swana, the, the last word will go to you off the back of what Dr. Mbete is mentioning now, uh, the, the role, the use of private businesses or private contractors for what ordinarily would have been government functions to 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 perform um that doesn't that actually give rise to the whole problem of corruption that we have not necessarily uh, not necessarily in that way um the, you must remember that uh, every company let's take checkers pick and pay sasol or bidvest any any big company out there They've got a procurement department. I mean, the things that checkers sells in their uh, shops, when you go there, they get them from different suppliers all over the world. So uh, that doesn't on its own cause procurement. Sasol will tell you the same thing. Anglo-American will tell you the same thing. Uh, where the problem starts, and, and Halima Mutande captured this thing so brilliantly when he was the Secretary General of the agency that Every project that is conceived in the state at, at this juncture, and that was probably around 2007 when he said this, is conceived because some comrades somewhere need to make money. So even something that was being done by the municipality will be outsourced so that the comrade will, comrades will make money. So even within the private sector, those people who just want to do the job and not put in any extra money or cut for the comrades and so on, are not even appointed. So the people who are appointed are the ones that are not going to do the job. Let me just say something uh, in addition to what uh, Dr. Mbete was saying here. I have been in municipalities where the budget, just for inspection, because there are inspection wells all over the water regulation system, where the budget is cut. So samples are not being taken in the required way to ensure water quality is there. I think for a very long time, you know, uh, since 2007, we've been working on water losses. Water losses, unaccounted, unaccounted, unaccountable water, all sorts of things. Those reports are there. Nobody is paying any attention to those reports. 
So I, I don't know what to say more than thank you. Mm. Well, that's that's where we'll wrap it up on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly this week with my guests, uh, whom I thank very much for their time. Dr. Stambile Mbete, who's a lecturer in the Department of Political Sciences at the University of Pretoria and is also an associate fellow at its Center for Governance Innovation, as well, of course, as uh, Sandy Leswana, who's a political analyst and governance expert. Uh, we really appreciate your time for coming on to uh, the Sunday Times Politics Weekly. I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country.